Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello everyone, welcome to this live. I'm just going to wait until it loads on Facebook so that I can pause it. It's a very exciting time for everyone. I have a microphone here, which is not plugged in. Boom. Okay, right. We're good. We're live. We're in the right group. Bam, bam, bam. Okay, there are loads of awesome questions. And realistically, I'm not going to get through 50. Am I? Yeah, I'm not going to get through 50. And... um if I do it would be like really short in my opinion unuseful answers so I've actually gone through and I've picked out some of the common themes and there's a couple of questions that have loads of likes on them and I assume that means that other people are like oh my god yeah me too I feel the same so I have highlighted those and I'm going to answer those the rest of them I will answer on a podcast or later on maybe we can do go over some of them on the mastermind on Thursday as well I hope that people are enjoying action week so far um I very much am uh okay so the first one that I saw that looked great and had loads of other interactions on was from Robert and it was how do you create a clear distinction between what you discuss for free with people in consultations and social media posts and what you charge for. There's a lot out there that can just be Googled. So I'm finding it difficult to create a value proposition that acts as my chargeable service that's different to what someone can just uh, find out by themselves. Okay, so I think this is a great question and loads of other people did as well because they liked it. And now my notes have crashed, so that's great. But my general opinion on it, on this, is that I don't think you can give too much. So when we're talking about social media, consultations might be slightly different. Again, I wouldn't worry about giving out too much information in a consultation, but don't apply it to them. And the thing is, you won't be able to in a consultation anyway, because you don't have all of the information about them as a person and how that's going to apply to their life. I also think that you should take a little step back and think about the value that you offer as a coach because I would say that about 10% of what you offer as a coach is information and 90% is application of that information for the individual like it's the support it's getting over barriers it's like if you want workouts and macros you can just go to google if you want life-changing coaching you go to a coach and I think you probably it's like I guess people go through a little bit of imposter syndrome or questioning themselves but It's not really information that you're giving. Like to me, that's the bare minimum. Like all coaches should know basic nutrition information, basic programming. That's not your skill set as a coach. Your skill set as a coach is getting people to actually implement that. So part of it's information, but the clients that come to you that only need information, they're going to be pretty quick. Like here's actually how you lose body fat. But what most people struggle with is applying that information. And the truth is most people know how to lose fat. Like even kids would be like, oh, yeah, you you move more and you eat a bit less. But actually doing that consistently and getting results and the reassurance required when the scales don't drop, et cetera, et cetera. Like 
all of that is what you offer as a coach so I think you need to take a step back and be like this might be a little bit harsh but if you're struggling with this it's because you don't see the benefit of your own coaching you don't see why people would come to you for coaching because they're not coming for information that they can google because otherwise they just go to google and I really really wouldn't worry about putting out too much information I literally have hundreds of hours of free information on the internet doesn't stop me getting clients so I wouldn't worry about that and I I actually think the more that you can give value wise and the more that you kind of just give that freely and most coaches love doing that stuff right most of us kind of hate sales I'm going to come on to this later but we love just giving value and that's what you do well so just keep giving value and by reciprocation when they want a coach when they feel like okay I've taken on that information I've tried it but what I think I could do with is a bit of support to apply it directly to me and my life you're the person they're going to go to because you've already helped them so in conclusion, no, I wouldn't worry about giving too much. Hi, everyone who's just found the live. Okay, um, that was question one. Jennifer was the second question that I thought would be useful to go over. And it was, how do you start online coaching with a small following? Which I think a lot of people want to know. And I don't, I actually think there are huge benefits to having a relatively small following right you need some kind of following you need some kind of customers but what's more important than how big your following is is why they're following you and if they're engaged with you and your message and if they're potential clients or not there's no point having a million people follow you who aren't interested in buying your products it's actually much better to have a smaller following that are engaged right I'm sure that's not mind-blowing to anyone but the smaller following allows you to be more personal it means that you don't need to um, automate things like how how likely are you to reply to some shitty automated dm you're not you can tell like even a lot of the lead gen i do like i'll copy and paste something if i'm like i'm giving away a free chess workout then they get a copy and pasted response you can tell that it's copied and pasted even if it's me that's written it and it is me that's written it you can still tell that if it's a more personal response, like you're much more likely to get into conversations with those people. So there is a benefit to having that, like a bit of a smaller following. You can also give more like direct value to those people. And I think there's more and more now this perception of people who have larger followings. Like if I go on someone's page and they've got honestly more than 10,000 followers, I'm like, don't know if I'd bother messaging them because they probably won't see it. Even though I reply to all of my messages, I'm still like I still have this interpretation that anyone with a larger following like wouldn't bother checking their DMs whereas if someone has a smaller following that they maybe would be more likely to and you also can play off the you know I have less clients and I have more time for you I know that if I was looking for a coach I would want someone who had like 5,000 followers or even 500 followers over someone who had 50,000 followers because I'd be like well I like I'm selfish like I want people's attention I want people's time so I think it's a bit of a limiting belief to think that you need this huge following to build a big business and you absolutely don't you need an engaged following and the other thing the other point to make out is that going from having no clients to two clients is quite hard right but it, it seems doable okay zero to two hard but doable it's achievable even if it's someone that maybe you know already like those two clients and then what you've really got to push on 
is trying to create, I don't know if anyone remembers this from the pandemic, right? It is relevant, but there was an R number of the virus, right, of COVID. And it basically meant how many people you would infect if you got COVID. Now, obviously that was a negative thing, but in this instance, it's a positive. So if you can get your client R number to one, which means that for every client you have, they recommend you to someone else. And there are numerous ways of doing this, whether you make really shareable content or whether you directly ask for referrals or whether you like, there's loads of ways to think about this, but um, the key is to try and get referrals from the clients that you have. And referrals are far better than new clients anyway, because they've already bought into you a little bit. If one of their friends is like, oh, I've started working with Emma and I'm getting such good results from this. The other point I'd make is do this early on because people talk about new things. If I've had a personal trainer for the last five years, probably very rarely comes up in conversation. If I've just started with a personal trainer and meet a mate for coffee and they're like, oh, what's new? Oh, I just started with this personal trainer. Like try and build off that. So when people are talking about you at the start, really open it up and then even just say to your clients, like I'm just starting out. If you're enjoying it, then you know, speak to your friends about it. If there's anyone you think that could benefit from either, even just like following me, or, you know, I do that podcast for you guys every week and I answer like some myths about nutrition. If you know, like even just like three or four people that you think that might benefit, would you mind just sending them the podcast? Little things like that. So you can try and get for every one client, you're getting one more client, then two turns into four, then four turns into eight, then eight turns into 16, then 16 turns into 32. And then I can't do any math, 64 bam but like that's how things divide like it really does snowball but getting from that zero to two to four like that can be quite hard and it can be demotivating because you think if it's this hard to get four clients how am I ever going to get 20 clients or 30 clients how am I ever going to be full if I've had to put in this much effort it gets easier and things start to snowball because more and more people start to talk about it and you build momentum in your coaching and you're becoming a better coach as you go as well. So don't don't let like a small following hold you back. If anything, it's a constraint. And I really like to view constraints as like opportunities. It's basically figuring out, okay, if I have, if my social media got taken away today, how could I still find clients? Like it's doable, it'd be hard. I don't have the, the idea at the top of my head, but I would sit down and I would think about that. Okay, what other ways can I attract clients? And it's not always Instagram. Like it's not always, well, I'd start posting every day again, two times a day on Instagram. What if you could go directly to people? What if you could go to industry? What if you could get in front of people in a different way that's not just the saturated Instagram? Or can you do it in a different way? What if I decided for the next three months, I'm going to essentially coach people for free on Instagram. I'm going to turn up for 15 minutes a day. I'm going to give them some tips. I'm going to, you know, set basic targets for everyone. And I'm going to try and get people to follow my, whatever, three months, general guidelines, blah, 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 blah. And then off the back of that, now that I've got this following and this buy-in, then I'm going to do something like, I'm literally just ideas. Like those might be really bad ideas, right? Please don't be like, Emma told me to start a free coaching group for three months. But you get the idea like come up with something that's a little bit different that people will talk about don't just be like oh this is what every other personal trainer in the UK seems to be posting I'll just post the exact same thing with a slightly different Canva template why would anyone come to you and that's such a crucial question to ask yourself 
whenever you're putting out content, whenever you're thinking about how can I get lead gen for a client or how will I pick up more clients? Ask yourself, why would someone want to coach with me? Like, why would, why would someone sign up with me? If you can't answer that, then you need to start thinking about it. Like how are you, that comes into like, how are you coming across? What's the value you're giving? What's the problem that you are solving for people? And actually the next, the next question kind of comes on to this, but those are the sort of questions you need to ask yourself. And I can't emphasize enough how incredible your results will be if you start thinking outside the box. Like instead of thinking, oh, what's Emma doing? I'll just copy her. Or what's Amelia doing? I'll just copy her. Or what's James Smith doing? I'll just do exactly the same thing. You will literally be a watered down version of whoever you're copying. If you start thinking, how can I be the best coach I can be? Or how can I be the best version of myself? Or how can I serve who I know that I want to serve, my niche? How can I solve the problem that they're struggling with best or differently? So if you're like, well, my niche is, I don't know, women who have always struggled with weight loss, right? That's a lot of people's niche. Now you can either niche down a little bit more into that to get a more, what's the right word? Uh, A more specific program for a more specific group. Or you can be like, I'm going to do it in a different way. So, you know, a lot of people do group coaching run on Facebook, but this is group coaching for people who hate Facebook and it's not run on Facebook and it's run on a different platform or, you know, whatever it might be, do something that's a little bit different so that you're not, you don't just look like a watered down James Smith. You look like your own coach, like the best version of yourself. Uh, Okay. Right. Uh, Next question. Robert needed to hear that. Totally get it. Thanks. You're very welcome. Pamela, I think I've made mistakes with the type of information I give and how I give it. Elaborate for me. What mistakes do you think you've made and why? I'm intrigued by that. Oh, the other note I had here, which doesn't seem that relevant now, but I really like the quote, is that good marketing sells once, great coaching sells endlessly. So even if you've got a big following, I guess this was the point that like your small following, your two clients will build up. If you, if you're an incredible coach, they'll be like, I got amazing results. When anyone's like, wow, you look so much happier and so much fitter and so much healthier. What have you been doing? I've been doing commit to six Jenny. You should try it. That's, that's how things grow. Whereas if you're like, I've got a million followers and I'm going to sell them this shit plan. I never reply to anyone. And it's just kind of like made up on a PDF. And I just send that out. People will buy once if you're good at marketing it, if you know how to market that, or if you pay on ad spend, but they're never coming back and they're never telling anyone else to do it. In fact, they'd probably be like, yeah, I paid a hundred quid for a PDF. Like it was crap. And your reputation is worth so much more than that. I already know that no one watching that, this would do that anyway, but important point to make um okay adam's post adam's question got a lot of likes so okay he says i personally feel like i have an awful lot in place for online coaching i have about eight clients i have a blog that seems to do exceptionally well when i look at google results I believe that my social media posts are good, are a good balance between education, inspiration, personal and open and friendly. 
I have a pretty active email list with about 2,000 people on it. I post on my blog on average once a month. I post on social media daily. I slide into DMs. Yet, I've been doing this for two years and I just can't see what I'm missing in terms of just stepping up to that next level. Another five to 10 clients would change my life forever. And yet I can't quite find the uh, what the hole in my approach is. So any ideas in relation to what I'm missing and what would help with uh, what would help with that would be wonderful. I'm not expecting you to go through my stuff, but this is, but is there a layer to this business that I'm missing? Many thanks, dear friend. Okay, well, I think this is a good question. And obviously a lot of people can resonate with this. Tough truth to start with. If you've been doing something for two years, it's not working. Like there is a there's a balance between being consistent and actually doing something long enough to get results and then doing the same thing without getting results continuously and being like, well, I'm being consistent, right? But if you're consistently doing the wrong thing, not necessarily the wrong thing, but like if you're consistently doing something that doesn't work, isn't getting you results, you need to change something. It's exactly the same as with clients, right? Like it's literally exactly the same. You're normally saying to clients, be a little bit more patient and be more consistent. But if they are genuinely being consistent and they've been doing the same thing for three months and they've lost no weight, they're not in a deficit. Something needs to change. Whether they think they're in a deficit or not, whether the stats say, technically she's on 1500 calories she should be in a deficit the truth is she's not so something has to change right same with your business like you're ticking all the boxes that all sounds great but it's not working so you have to change something and that Einstein quote about doing the same thing continuously you need to be self-aware enough to know where you are on that spectrum and it's a hard thing to do and that's why having a mentor is useful as well putting that out there but knowing when you're kind of kidding yourself with I've tried this and it's not working and actually you've just not been consistent or you literally have been doing it for two years and you're not getting the results that you want something needs to change and most people sway towards the end of the spectrum that they don't do something for long enough to get results but you're swaying towards the other way so you need to make some change um a couple of questions I have from you for you one And this will help everyone. Like if you're stuck in a kind of similar position, write these questions down or write answers to these questions. Where are your current clients coming from? So you say you've got eight. Where are they from? Why are you not asking for referrals from them? There's one thing. Where are your leads coming from? So if you're getting leads and they're not converting, where are they coming from? If they're not converting, where's the friction point there? So if you are getting leads, I mean, back a step. If you're not getting leads, are you doing any lead generation? Because what it, what you've listed there, I'm, I don't see any like real lead generation. What I see is quite a lot of what I would call brand marketing, where you're building your, I guess, like your brand, right? But you're not directly selling, fine. But you're also not directly putting them into a funnel. Like, is there a simple way they can contact you potentially? But have you got them in some kind of lead generation now when I talk about brand and direct marketing the direct marketing could be direct to sales or it could be direct to a lead generation so I would suggest that people do both but that they are distinctly different and that you think about them in distinctly different ways and there's 
you'll probably have like micro cycles of this. Now I'm trying to relate it back to training, but you'll probably have like micro cycles of this in a week and macro cycles over like months. So I'm going to use myself as an example. I might now and again post like screenshots from the EC method or from commit six or from feedback from one-to-one clients between times when I'm, I'm not taking any clients on, right? So my main social, like my main output is giving value, helping people as much as I can and not asking for anything in return. Like it's literally just give, 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 give. That's brand marketing. That's people getting to know me. I show up all the time. People know my voice. I'm always on a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Like they're getting value from me. Then at some point I will do some direct marketing. Okay, so now the EC method's open, bam, here's your opportunity to sign up. And I'll do a few things that directly link to sales. If you only do direct marketing, then no one's going to sign up. If you spend time building your brand, building trust, building like the no like trust and giving value, then when you do the, oh, okay, now you can work with me. Now there's like an opportunity to work with me. Then people will want to work with you. You can't really have one without the other. But what a lot of people get wrong, or not get wrong, but like mistake for ineffective marketing is people think brand marketing isn't effective because it doesn't lead to direct sales like you're not going to get the data on click-throughs from brand marketing because it's not the point like the the point isn't to get more people in your funnel like it's not to get more people on your email list it's not to sell people your program it's not it's none of those things it's literally just brand marketing right It's, it's awareness and it's giving value and then the direct doesn't have to be sign up to this program it could be getting people in a free trial group like this AFM group like that's direct right I've spent ages giving out free information on AFM and I've got the podcast and there's a lot of people who are obviously now in this group who are like I'm teetering on the edge like I'm kind of interested in this I'd like to know a little bit more but I'm not ready to sign up but actually now you're now you're further down my funnel but then there was that direct essentially it's a sell right it's a sell of your attention it's free but now I have your email address probably don't worry because I probably won't do anything with it I'm not big on emails but that that is a direct sell right that's direct marketing so I can actually see how effective that one post was the one post that said sign up here for action week I can see the stats on how effective that was now I can't see the stats on how effective the last six months of brand marketing has been. So it's, it's slightly different. I think about both and it sounds like, um, Adam, that what you're doing is a lot of brand marketing and potentially not enough direct marketing, whether that is direct to signing up with you for coaching or whether it's nurturing them a little bit more with some more lead generation, like, Oh, you can sign up to, my five-day workout challenge where I'm going to send you a workout every morning for five days something like that where you're getting their email address and then you're going to send them these things um so I'd think about if you're doing any lead generation I think it was my point initially and then I got sidetracked uh and then I have written here are you marketing in waves I think that that helps not just from a consumer point of view like if you go onto someone's social media you will have noticed this yourself whether you've noticed that it's brand versus direct marketing or not. If someone is constantly selling you something, it's such a turnoff. Whereas if for the, like, you know, for at least a season, a period of time, a couple of weeks, they're just like showing up, giving value, not trying to sell anything. 
that's quite nice you kind of like following them and then when they do sell great like you're kind of interested in buying because you've started to know like and trust them before they've just tried to directly sell to you and it's much nicer from a, a coaching standpoint I know it is for me Chloe and I are always talking about how we hate the launch of the EC method because we have to sell and we're like oh we just like we just like giving out value or we just like helping people but you have to sell essentially um and also on that point selling shouldn't be seen as like icky if you have something of value that you think could benefit someone's life like your coaching service then not selling to them is not helping them and it's certainly not helping you either so don't think that sales is a bad thing like I have absolutely no problem selling AFM because you get so much more value from it than the cost of it like and and I know it's doing you and your business good so you should be confident in your selling if you're confident in your products it's harder to sell if you don't believe in what you're selling um then finally there's a couple more points do you sorry I thought that said do you know what you do and I was like why have I written that do you know do people know what you do this is a point I make quite a lot on AFM people still don't know what online coaching is so do you really know do do your obviously you know do your followers really know what online coaching is and what the service they're going to get is because it's still it's still a little bit like oh okay I've heard of a personal trainer I get what that is but like if I have an online coach but what does that mean so that's something that I would think about doing a you know and it helps you as well it helps you be able to who was I talking to earlier I can't remember but basically they were saying that they didn't like talking to camera and I was like you need one thing you need to get really good at is being able to articulate what you do very clearly and passionately like that's so so important and if you can't say what online coaching is and what service you offer your clients in a succinct but like clear and it like empowering and exciting way like if you can't talk about what you do in an exciting way that's going to get people wanting to sign up you need to start doing more writing on it the only way you get good at that is talking about what you do more and writing about what you do more so make sure that people know actually what online coaching is and what they get from working with you. And you can do that as, again, like a direct post. This is what you get from online coaching. Or you can do it as little like drip feed things. So, oh, here's one of my clients checking in. Obviously don't share personal information, but like, you know, it might be a bit of their check-in or you might be like, just doing my programming for the new block of commit to six or whatever it is. And you can see that they get these workouts. And then you maybe do like a, a comment that someone had put on Facebook, thanks for the new workouts, Emma, they're so hard, but I'm getting such a good burn from them, blah, 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 blah. That is like teasing people. It's like giving them a little insight. If you want to go one step further, which I do, obviously, um, you can put up like your Q&As that you do in your group as a podcast. That's an insight into how I talk to my clients and the kind of questions that, or like the kind of results they're getting, but the kind of questions that they're asking and the kind of answers that I'm giving it's a real insight into what people get. So try and like leak that a little bit. Cause I think that one of the barriers to signing up to online coaching is still that people don't fully understand what they're going to get from online coaching. Um, and then I put, take a step back and think about the problem that you want to solve for your audience or for your niche. 
And I stole this analogy from Seth Godin. And I think it's like the perfect way to think about your service and your niche. So he says that a lot of people make a key, i.e. your product, you'll make your product or you'll make your service, your coaching service, and then you'll go and look for a lock to, to fit your key into. So the lock is the problem, right? So you're like, I've got this service. Now I essentially, I'm looking for an audience that want this service. Instead of thinking there's a lock that needs to be like, that people want to open, right? So there's a problem that people have and I'm going to come up with a solution for it. I'm going to make the key to that lock instead of having this key that could be a key to, to any lock that actually maybe nobody wants. So it's basically solving a problem that people want to be solved instead of doing the guesswork around it. I like that. I don't know if anyone else will enjoy it. Right, I'm going to catch up with what's going on in the live. Um, Pamela, it's hard to explain. I think I've maybe come across like I'm coaching and that's been a mistake. I think it would be better to stick to factual information without going too far. Um, I think that you can draw a line. So I give a lot of advice for free, but there's always like a point at which it's like, so in this, I don't know, like maybe they're taking the piss a little bit. And I'm like, well, if you want some coaching, here's the link to the EC method, something like that. Like, or maybe you put it as like, it sounds like you might need some more support. That's exactly what I do. Here's a link to blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you'll be surprised because I think sometimes you think, oh, they don't want to sign up. They just want free information. But when actually you give them an opportunity, they're like, oh my God, yeah, that would be great. Like I didn't, like, I didn't really know that you could get coaching or whatever it is. So that still blows my mind as well. People are like, do you do online coaching? And that's literally all I talk about. Um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't be worried that it sounds like you've created really good relationships and maybe you've given a lot, but just kind of draw boundaries of at this point is where I sell it to people because that's essentially coaching. And also for your own peace of mind, like I don't know enough about whoever's on the other side of an Instagram handle to really give useful information to them. And then it worries me as well that it might be someone who shouldn't be losing fat or shouldn't be doing whatever goal they're doing. Whereas when they're your client, you obviously have all the information and you can make sure that your information is applicable to them. So I would just know when to sell. I'm just laughing at the pores of my face, which is very aggressive, strangely. Um, okay, Kalina. Hey, Emma, I haven't started online coaching yet, but would like to know, uh, but would like, and I don't know where to start. What would be the main things needed to get started? I have signed up to Stridus as a platform to use. So I'm going to assume that you're already a coach. Um, and it, it really depends. So it's, again, it, this comes back to the whole lock and key analogy, right? Don't create something before you know what problem you're trying to solve. Like who is your audience and what problem do they struggle with? Then you create something. Don't just think, what's online coaching? Oh, what are some other people doing? Oh, I'll just copy that and hope that for some reason, someone wants to use my copied version of what they're doing instead of what they're doing. No, like, who do you want to serve? What's different about you to the person next to you who's also doing online coaching? And there will be, there's loads of things. Like, I'm not, it doesn't have to be like massively different. It could just be your personality, your approach, how you like training, how you like 
don't know, programming nutrition, how you like showing up on social media. All of these things make you unique and different. Make sure that you're thinking about that when you create your coaching service and also like primarily who you're trying to serve. So I would start with that. This is why when I did the intro, um, was it the intro? No, when I did the goal setting, I I was talking about your values and your niche. If you don't know your values and your niche, like you're building a house with no foundations. Like you need to start with those because that's what's going to give you motivation and drive you forward. Much like I would hope that with all your clients, you're like, why do you want to achieve this random weight loss goal? Because no one's going to have motivation to achieve the weight loss goal unless they know why, unless they can link that outcome with something that's important to them. You're not going to work hard in your business unless you know why you're doing it and who you want to help and the impact you want to have. And once you connect with that, like who you want to help and the impact, your motivation will skyrocket. Like you'll outwork other people because you know why you're doing it as opposed to other people that are just like, I've heard that earning 10K a month is cool. I'm just going to do that. There's no substance to it. And they end up burning out because they don't know why they're doing it and they're not passionate about it. I did exactly the same job when I was earning less than a thousand pounds a month than I do now. And I earn considerably more than that now. Like, it's not about the money. If you have like a real drive for doing this, then you need to tap into that because that's what's going to make you successful. And if you don't know who you're serving, then you can't create a product. Like, as simple as that. So you need to start with your values, which is going to be your motivation. And then also who you want to serve. Because if you don't know who you want to serve, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what product you create. Uh, Nicole, hi. I'm not really sure how to go about asking for referrals. How would you word it? Um, It depends. And they don't have to be direct referrals. It could be getting people like higher in your funnel kind of thing. So it could be like, for example, if you had a client ask a question and then you did a social media post on it and then you were like, by the way, that that question that you asked me in check-ins, I did this full post on it. I did a little bit of research. I hope you enjoy it. If you've got any friends that are struggling with the same stuff, could you send it to them? Like that, I'm really trying to grow and that would really help me. It could be something like that or it could be sharing like parts of their um, check-ins, like if they're happy for you to do that or their progress and tagging them so that they then share that so that then their friends might be like, oh, what are you doing? Or... Like, oh, what an incredible transformation. Like, who are you working with? That kind of stuff. Or it could be more direct. Like, you could literally be asking them, do you have any friends that also have fitness goals or fat loss goals or relationship with food goals or or whatever your niche is? Any of those are absolutely fine. Some people do paid referrals, which can work. I prefer not to, and I think it's nicer on both sides not to and actually now I had this exact conversation with you already Nicole that but I think it's an interesting one that a lot of people like well if I give them x amount off then their next block or if I give them a free month or if I give them a hoodie like I mean I would say with the free month or money off no because you're devaluing your own service and as soon as someone like if I was normally paying 200 pounds a month to work with Nicole and I I had sent her a client so my next month was only a hundred pounds I would resent then paying 200 pounds the month after whereas if she was like I've got you this present 
because you referred someone to me that would be much nicer and I'd remember the present because the hundred pounds is like well it's not come out my account it's all electronic blah 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 you'll forget about it whereas the present that she thought that I would like making it personal as well would be even further like give you even more of a boost there like oh yeah I know that you mentioned that you really like coffee so I bought you this coffee that I thought that you'd like blah whatever that really adds to it as well but I think even more so if they off their own back or or even if you ask them nicely to do a referral and someone does sign up then you spontaneously buy them something that's so much nicer on both sides because a lot of what people get from a gift is the giving of the gift like I think most people get more from giving a gift than receiving a gift now if you've told them that you're going to pay them to promote your service or to to get people for a referral essentially you're taking away the joy that they get from doing that because you've now paid them to do it which means that they feel like well not even they feel like they have to do it but it's it's a transaction instead of I think you're an incredible coach so I've recommended you to one of my friends and then they get something for that as well and then you get the benefit of giving them a gift as well and like that's just a, such a nicer transaction all around <clears throat> so I would focus on that um Kyle would you say Instagram lives are a waste of time over direct videos? I feel I can build myself slash my personality more on lives than a 60 second video. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, I think it depends. Basically, you have to try. And if you're doing, I don't know, if you do lives consistently, say twice a week for 30 days and no one's really talking about them, they're not getting very many views and you've had no leads that have mentioned them, I'd maybe stop doing them. If And, and then I'd think about what else I could be doing at that time, because it's probably better spent elsewhere. You might find that people don't like watching Instagram lives back, but they will listen to your podcast. So maybe it's better that you do a 60 minute podcast rather than a 60 minute Instagram live. That might be your long form content instead of the, the Instagram lives. I do think they're dying a bit, but then I do get much more engagement with the people that watch at the time I think so if you've maybe got five people watching at the time maybe you're like it's actually probably not worth my time doing that might be better to voice note each of those people back that ask me a question something like that because it's it's more personal than just replying via message and then you put that time into podcasts but with all these things it's about trying it and seeing what works and what works a couple of months ago probably won't work now and the algorithm changes and people find different ways of listening to things like the the podcast lessons I had during lockdown were way higher than they are now because people freaking loved podcasts in lockdown. They had more time on their hands. So you've kind of got to move with things and be like, hey, what's working now? What's going to work next? How do I stay on top of that? How can I try a few things and see what does or doesn't work for me and get a little bit of data on that? Again, you're not going to have direct data but you should have like if you have leads or inquiries and you notice that they're like oh yeah I always watch your Instagram lives and I really enjoy them great keep doing them it's just a freaking it's it's a great use of your time or you even get dms of people being like what's your live today you said x wondered if you could elaborate like that great it's obviously working if no one ever mentions it and you're putting in a lot of time and effort into it even if you enjoy it it's probably not the best use of your time and maybe you could be doing something else with that time um 
Robert, totally see the value in AFM. Finally got over myself and posted today after my question earlier about imposter syndrome. Got a couple of leads from it in less than half an hour. Bloody hell. That's awesome. So Robert posted in the group earlier about, and I think so many people can resonate with this, right? But essentially you didn't use these words, but it's perfectionism. It's about like worrying about putting up a post. So you'll write a full post and then you'll sit there for ages twiddling your fingers fingers thumbs whatever like shall I post it or what if I've worded that wrong or maybe this would be better as a reel or maybe I should have made like a Canva template instead of just tweeting something or blah 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 blah. and you overthink it and then you never post it it's a complete waste of time and actually the best thing you can do is just make it good enough and post it that's how you get out good content and the only way that you get good at anything right whether it's making Instagram posts doing stuff on Twitter whether it's podcasts whether it's doing lives is just to do them when they're fine and then then they become good and then over time they become great and then they become like excellent right but not all of them will be like not every single one of your Instagram posts has to be this perfect Canva template it could just be a throwaway comment sometimes like oh or, or just something off the top of your head like oh one of my clients said this today and this was the answer I gave and I thought would be helpful to people like it doesn't have to always be completely groundbreaking and weirdly sometimes you'll find that those really simple posts do really really well because it's exactly what someone needed to hear but part of this is like you can't build like when we're talking about brand marketing you can't build that brand unless you show up consistently no one's remembering you from posting once a week no 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 no. show up every single day in fact that leads me to Claire's comment, which was how often should I be posting on social media? Um, It can feel quite stressful and hard to keep up with at times. Also feel like I'm flogging a dead horse in terms of engagement. So I have a few points to make on this and actually really nicely fits in with with, uh, Robert's post because I think that one of the reasons it feels really stressful and really hard is because you're trying to make every single post the best post you could possibly make it. And it can't be. Like it, that isn't what social media is for. And think about it realistically. If you're putting in hours and hours and like brain energy to this social media post, which within a couple of hours is essentially out the other side of someone's like algorithm, whatever, and is probably barely going to be seen again. Like it's such a transient thing. Don't put too much time into it. Obviously don't make them offensive or completely wrong but don't overthink oh could that have been said slightly differently or maybe I should take some time to formulate a new logo before I start posting again like no just get out there and put out some information so that would be my first point and that will make it way less stressful when you lower that barrier of trying to be perfect for everything just like when you tell your clients like not every day has to be perfect like it's still worth going out and getting your steps in even if you don't get 10,000 steps every single day still worth doing your social media posts even if they're not perfect every single day like put in the time well put in the not too much time but put in the effort to get going every single day like do it daily that's how you build a brand and then people will remember that you show up every day like that's important and you're at the top of their head um other things that will help you here is that social media content especially with fitness is what people call evergreen which means that what I posted this time last year is probably still 100% relevant today. Like now and again, there's things that are more timely, like tips around COVID or blah, blah, blah. But most of them are pretty evergreen, which means that 
you know if you if you look back at what you were posting a year ago maybe you take that post maybe you tweak it a little bit and you can repost it like if you're out of ideas right another way to just keep on top of having lots of ideas is have a little post uh, a little note section in your phone and anytime you think oh that might be a good social media post just quickly like don't write it all out just quickly write like a couple of sentences and then you can fill it out later this is something that I mean I use it all the time now but I started using it especially when I was working with clients because obviously you can't just start writing a social media post in the middle of the session but at the end of that session I'd like we spoke about these three things and actually that's come up quite a lot and I think that would be a really useful post bam 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 or as I'm going through check-ins now because I don't work face to face I'll be like oh that reply was actually pretty great I'm going to reword that into a social media post so I'll just copy the reply and then reword it but just keep notes of these things because if you just say I'm going to allocate between nine and ten every day to write a social media post or even like between nine and nine thirty the likelihood is you will sit down and have absolutely zero ideas whereas if you sit down and you're like cool I'm going to go to the notes bit where I put all my ideas great there's three that I can elaborate on bam there's a post for today so that would be another tip um so anyway, back to your question, how much, how many times should I be posting on my feed? Honestly, at least once a day. If this is your, if this is a business you want to grow, you need to show up. Um, and like I said, they don't have to be perfect. So stop procrastinating over them. And in terms of engagement, one piece of advice that I actually got from former AFM mentee coach I don't think mentee is an appropriate word. But anyway, Meg was focus on helping one person. Like, don't get overwhelmed with the masses. Just be like, if I can show up on social media today and help one person, I've done my job. And that's what you need to think every single day, okay? I'm going to show up and do a post because I think it's going to help one person. Great. If it helps more than that, fantastic. But it takes away, like, all the pressure of trying to please everyone because you never will. Just focus on... Can I show up and say something useful to one person? That's it. And really, I think something that a lot of coaches especially get sucked into is worrying what other coaches think. It's irrelevant. Like your, your social, one, I'm not judging anyway, but two, your social media posts aren't for me. They're not for your peers. They're not for other coaches. They're for your clients, right? So remember that before you post it, like, who is this for? Who is this meant to be for? Now probably go back and change all the wordings around like, and also don't look at my post, but I was going to say around things like muscle protein synthesis and thermogenesis and stuff like, do your clients know what thermogenesis is? Is it useful to them to know that? If it is, explain it. But realistically, what do they actually want to know? And I say, don't look at mine because I'm also talking to coaches, which gets confusing, right? So the wording has to be slightly different. But if my post is for more coaches for EIQ, obviously the wording is going to be slightly different than if it's for clients who don't have as much of an interest in nutrition and they're more focused on the outcome. Like how do I lose fat? Not how do I oxidize adipose tissue, right? The difference there. Um, okay. Right. I'm going to whiz through these. Tim, what do you think about doing a, what is it like to work with me? Highlight on Instagram. Oh, I love that. So anyone who visits can straight away. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I mean, I've got one on AFM that's like AFM feedback. I don't know how many people have ever looked at it, but it's a nice thing to have. And I think if you're posting that stuff on your stories anyway, 
and then you just save it to a what do you call them highlight that's a really good way to to do those things um and it's quite nice if someone's come onto your page and they're like oh someone suggested tim was good but i'm not really sure oh i'll just flick through this and it's you and it's loads of feedback from your clients about what it's like working with you perfect um okay excellent right i've got 10 minutes so i'll go back to the thread Sorry for the slight pause. <laughs> Gosh, 54. A lot of this, interestingly, is quite specific and, and a lot of it can be answered with go back and figure out who your niche is. Like a lot of people are still asking questions which sounds like you're trying to find a lock for your key that you've already made right as opposed to being like what problem do I want to solve and now I'm going to create something to solve that problem um even questions about pricing and things like there isn't really a too expensive or too cheap like make sure obviously you're not just overcharging for crap but I don't think anyone here would be doing that um yeah Uh, 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 uh. I do think with with pricing as well remember what you're selling isn't like what you're selling isn't the time spent to make that specific I don't know welcome pdf that you're sending someone or like to send them their calories and macros and stuff it's the last 10 years of your coaching experience and everything that you know and all of the CPD that you've done. Like my favorite little story about this is Picasso's napkin. And the story goes, and I have no idea if it's actually true or not, but apparently Picasso was sitting at a restaurant and he was doodling on a napkin. And the waiter was like, that's an amazing drawing. Can I, can I have that? Can I buy that off you? And he was like, yeah, it's... Now I'm just making up this number because I now can't remember the full story, but he's like, yeah, it's 20 grand, right? And the the waiter was like, that literally took you five seconds. Like, how can you charge 20 grand for that? It took you five seconds. And Picasso was like, no, it didn't. It took me 50 years. Like I've been an artist for 50 years. Like I've been a coach for 10 years. I've literally coached thousands of people. That's what you're paying for. You're not paying for 30 minutes of my time to write this program you're paying for all the expertise I have like 30 minutes of my time is worth more than 30 minutes of a new personal trainer's time like there is a huge gap in like experience there now I'm not saying I'm better than that person I'm just further ahead like I've been doing it longer so bear that in mind when you're thinking about your pricing and stuff like it's not just oh well it only took me 30 minutes and my hourly rate is 30 pounds an hour so maybe I should charge 15 pounds no, and your hourly rate's probably too low. Uh, okay, how do you narrow your values down so you don't just waffle? Um, what do you mean waffle? Because who are you talking to about your values? Like you don't really need to talk to anyone else about your values. I think there's two kind of distinct things. There's your business values, why you do what you do. And then I also think what's important is another set of like almost values but it's basically what I see is I need to come up with a name for this but how you want to show up values 
And sometimes I didn't mention this with Adam's question about like basically doing all the right things, but maybe not quite seeing the results that you're expecting. Sometimes it's quite a subtle thing. And that subtle thing is how you show up. So you could be giving out the exact same information, but if you say it in a slightly different way, or you use different examples, or you package it up differently, it can hit completely differently. So you can be like, well, you know, people say that on social media, you need to show up every day. I show up every day and I do my email list and I write a blog and I talk to people in DMs. But there's a slight like tweak of, this is why I pose the question, what would you want from a coach? Or why are people signing up with you? Why should they sign up with you? And part of that is like, how do I want to come across? So before I do anything, I remind myself, like, and it might be different for different things, but how do I want to show up to this life? Like for you guys, it's empowering. Like I want you guys to be inspired and empowered to build your own businesses, but it's also friendly and it's also um, educational, I guess, right? But reminding yourself of these things before you show up to a live, like how do I want to show up here? If I was sitting in a client's shoes and I was watching this live, what would I want my coach to be like? Would I want them to be like kind of grumpy and dismissive? And and I think the other thing is like, have my attention. Like if I was like, oh, sorry guys, uh, someone's on the phone. Like even like as basic as that, like not looking out the window, like interested, would I want them to be all these things and interested in me and actually compassionate and caring about me? Like all these little like tweaks that you probably can't tell that much like initially or people might not be able to identify but they actually make a really big difference so reminding yourself of your showing up values or essentially how you want to show up before you start doing a live or before you start posting on social media it could even be the, the wording or the description of how how you're explaining certain information um but please elaborate if you're if that wasn't really what you're asking Gemma how do you narrow your values down so you don't just waffle? I would also say limit yourself to three to four values because all of them are important, right? And I'm sure if anyone does this with their clients and you, you send them like a list of things that like, oh, you could choose your values from this to give you some examples. They're like, oh, well, yeah, like hire all of these. Like they, they all tend to be pretty good traits, but that's the point of choosing your top four or your top three because that's like, those are the ones that are most important to you. It's not saying that, you don't care about your family if they're not in the top three but it might not be the most important thing to you so having that um hierarchy i guess is important um i've got to shoot i'll watch the rest on replay appreciate your time very welcome tim have a nice day i'm gonna wrap up in a minute anyway um grace how do you get people engaging more with your content e.g e.g. actually ask questions in stories or people interacting with your content would you dm people if they comment on your post you could do i would try and get people to like invite you in as opposed to just cold dming people but if they've said something like oh my god this is me and you're talking about i don't know overeating on the weekend yeah that that's kind of an invite like oh hey i heard like you said that you were overeating on the weekend how are you feeling today um have I don't know like are you back on track or do you need any help or something like that or if if they're like uh, if you've done a post about always being hungry and someone's like this is me talk to them about like have you tried these things about always being hungry like I do you need any tips blah 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 blah, blah. that kind of stuff fine 
um in terms of interaction and like asking questions ask yourself questions to start with and part of this is because if if I told you now to go and write an essay on anything you want you'd really struggle like I would really struggle I'd be like oh my god anything in the world yeah anything in the world you can write an essay on it I don't know if you then told me okay you have to write an essay on your three top tips for fat loss cool I know what I'm doing there's a there's like some constraints this is why constraints is useful now similar happens with question boxes like if you're like ask me anything people are like well I don't really have anything to ask if you're like tell me your one biggest struggle with fat loss that that might be oh hunger oh I get bored oh I never get results blah 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 the other thing is like people want to see that someone else has done it first they don't want to feel like they're the only person asking the question in the question box so ask yourself them you can just write in it if you if you're doing the I'm gonna I want to know what your three biggest struggles for fat loss are write some yourself fine like most people probably do that um, and then once you start answering them and then you'll see trends as well. So, for example, if I put a question box up and I answer a few questions and then I put another one up, I'll get questions based on the questions I've just answered. So if I've just been talking about Fitbits, the next question will be or the next few questions will probably be, how do you know how many calories you're burning? Blah, 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 blah. Because that's what you've been talking about. I, I remember Dr. Mike getting really annoyed about this because he was like, whenever I put a question box up, all that people ask me about is protein bar ratings and like how, how you should toast your toast. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what your content is about. Like, of course, people ask you that if that's the content that you put out. It makes sense, right? So if you want someone to ask you something specifically about something, Start your first couple of stories with something about that, then put a question box up. And I 100% bet people will be like, oh, you were just talking about X. I wonder what they think about Y. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. That wasn't blah, blah, blah. And you guys, don't worry. That was just myself. Gemma, I want to do a post setting my core values, why I do this, but I feel I just waffle but I don't want to miss any of the audience I'm targeting. But, um, so what I would do with waffle, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And most of my posts start like this as well. Like I'll have an idea and I'll write everything. Then that might turn into a podcast, but then I'll be like, and this is how most people write. You write everything down and then you you edit it you cut out bits that aren't that relevant or you've gone on a tangent there or you realize actually what you were going to write is five posts not one so you have to be succinct and remember that people's attention span on social media is short if you spend ages writing a huge essentially blog about all of your values people won't read it anyway so you have to keep it succinct this is why I do what I do like I'm talking two paragraphs max you can't do much more than that on a social media post anyway. And then you could say, and I've talked about this on my, I don't know, you might put maybe a little bit more on your website or on, on a podcast, if you're doing a podcast or something, but it has to be short. It has to be succinct. And when you say, I don't want to miss any of my audience, any of the audience that I'm targeting, maybe you're targeting too big an audience. And also your values are yours. So you, they don't have to have the same core values as you. But you have to be like when you're thinking about niche, you don't think 
they have to have the same values as I have, or I'm targeting those people that have the same values. You more think, what problem do they have that I can solve with my service? And that's what you're, that's the service that you're creating. So it's more about the problem that they have than the values that they have. Like, I'm sure I have quite a lot of Tory clients, but not the same values as me, but I solve a problem for them. Okay, Grace. Okay, great. Every time I ask a question in stories, I barely get many. So it's a good idea to ask myself and hope it trickles. Yeah. Um, Meg, Paula, I hope you're well. I'm confident on working out pricing for clients, but please could you share advice on how to navigate working out pricing for corporate engagements, such as public speaking events and creating evergreen content for other businesses? Oh, very exciting. Thanks as always for your time and experience, Meg. This is quite hard because it kind of depends a little bit on who they are, what they can afford and what you can get. So with that, like an example of this is I used to do loads of talks for free. Um, like I would say the first sort of five years of body power, you get paid something for being there, but you, I didn't charge a speaker's fee. Now that that kind of offers me nothing in terms, like, I mean, that was great for me at the start, gave me loads of public speaking experience. It was a bit of a like prestige thing. I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. I learned a lot from it. Now that I didn't really get much back from that, I would charge a speaker fee and I wouldn't care if they said no, because it's not worth my time unless they're going to pay me for it. And I guess like with some of these things, it's similar. If you're like, okay, actually this big company's asked me to come in and give a talk. They said that they don't have a budget for it, surprisingly. But even if they did say, I don't have a budget for this, is that worth it in terms of all of the audience that you're exposing yourself to? Like if you can get in front of, I don't know, 200 employees that are all interested in health and fitness or that all have some interest in that, then is that actually a great business opportunity for you? So I would think of it both from the perspective of like, the potential of that talk or or that um corporate event and what you're getting paid for your time and normally the potential is way more than the like what you're getting paid for your time even if you charge quite a large speaker's fee uh and i normally go now like the less i get personally from it the more the fee will be because otherwise it's not worth the time um but it's quite hard to most I think like a standard half day rate five six hundred pounds in different then that's really hard to say because in different industries it it changes massively and some people will be like oh yeah we can give you expenses but also if you're creating content that they're going to use like evergreen content for other businesses that they're going to use forever ever you also have to think about how much time it's actually taken you to create that content. And like the Picasso thing, not just the time it took you on Canva, but the years of experience that you have as well. So make sure that you're charging your worth. It, like, it's quite hard for me to give generic advice here, but you're more than welcome to message me. Give me a bit more specifics about what you're doing and who you're doing it for. And I'll be more than happy to help. And that goes for anyone. I'm sorry I didn't get through all the questions. I didn't really think that I would given there were 50 but hopefully this has been really useful and hopefully some of like the key points are applicable to your questions if you want to message me and ask me any questions whatsapp is the best i think i've already posted this somewhere but if i haven't i will post it and you can message me there i hope you have lovely days goodbye